If you have your Bibles, let's turn a couple, just a couple of verses of Scripture, simple message that God had laid on my heart over the last couple of weeks, uh, leading us into Easter. Uh, and I wanted to focus on a couple of things. Psalm uh, 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you uh, for this amazing time to lift up the name of Jesus Christ as we worship you, as we celebrate you, as we praise you. Uh, and thank you for all the good things you've brought to our lives. Uh, Lord, right now I ask you to continue to uh, bless this sanctuary, bless this word as it goes forth. May it not return until you void. May it accomplish what it's set forth to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. The title of the message is The Path. Right. Not easy. Right. Not easy. There's all kinds of paths. How many of you agree with me on that? This here is a path that Kelly and I took in Maui. That's actually my picture. I've always wanted to take a picture for a backdrop, and I haven't found one. Uh, finally found a sermon I could use a picture for, my picture. It's not my chicken wings or anything. But just That is a, uh, that's in Halakalai, I'm sure I didn't say it right. It's a national forest in Maui, and it's, uh, we hiked for three and a half hours on that trail. It's a bamboo forest. Um, it goes, gosh, it's crazy. Um, I'll show you another picture. I'll show you what you hike to. Um, we hiked to the, this majestic waterfall. It falls about 400 feet uh, from the summit. And I got up there. I was expecting Niagara Falls, and it wasn't it. Um, it looked like a steady stream. How many of you have seen Niagara Falls? It's pretty impressive, right? Niagara Falls is impressive. I got up there and saw that. I was like, I hiked all the way up here <laughs> for that. Took a picture, did a little Hawaii sups up fine, back, you know, selfie thing. We walk back down. No, no bathroom breaks. I mean, you can behind a tree. There's no water breaks. There's nobody selling food on the way up. And then we go all the way to the bottom, which is really cool. This natural waterfall collides with the Pacific Ocean in what we call black sand. It's really beautiful to see black sand. Uh, we saw black sand beaches and red sand beaches and, of course, normal sand beaches. Uh, but all that collides. You go back to the past. But that, that day, that moment in time was a, a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. And I will tell you that the whole path wasn't wooden. There were a lot of paths that were rocky and took a lot of effort. And a lot of times it was single file. You know, you would pass people going up this path. And, and it, it, we had a lot of fun. We'll probably never do it again. We got a picture and say we've been up there. Uh, when we go back to Maui next year, praise God, um, probably don't do that hike. I'll spend my time doing something else. Um, but it was a path I'll never forget, right? And, and the path, we're all on a journey somewhere. We're all going somewhere. We really are. Every path has a destination. Regardless of who is on it, it leads where it leads. It does. I mean, you, you may not, you may think, oh, I don't know if I like, it doesn't, you have a destination. If you're on a path, you are going somewhere and it leads where it leads. You can't change where it leads. You can change your direction. You can get off that path and get on another path, but you can't change where that path you're on is leading to. You can't change that as long as you're on that path. And as a child of God, my path leads to heaven. It leads to heaven, an eternal reward, a life everlasting, crystal seas, streets of pure gold. Heaven is going to be amazing. 
And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss heaven. I don't want you to miss it. It's that important. It's eternity. It's an eternal choice. And I don't want you to miss it. Getting lost is never a great feeling. Can you testify? Even with maps on your phone that offer turn-by-turn direction, sometimes they offer the wrong turns. Right? I'll never forget Andy Martin and I, a few years ago, we were going to Cincinnati, and we were on 35. We jumped on 32. We're trying to get to this plant to, for a sales call. We had the GPS on. It's one of them Garmin back then. We didn't, you know, didn't have all the maps. We had the Garmin thing, and we're driving, and it said, it said get off the next exit. Huh. Wow. I was like, it's taking us some shortcut. It's going to, like, diagonally cut through this road, and we're going to find some shortcut, and pff, we're going to be in downtown Cincinnati. So we get off the exit. We drive. We go out this little one-lane road. We pass this little church. We do about a four-mile course, and we get right back on where we got off. I looked at Andy. He looked at me. I said, didn't know what I was doing. Sometimes we trust things that get us turn-by-turn directions. And guess what? The directions are wrong. They misguide us. We put all of our faith in one thing. And sometimes it'll let us down. In the natural. In the natural. It'll let us down. To get on the right path, you simply have to change your direction. And Jesus has come to help us change our direction. When we get on this path, the pathway to heaven, we may have a false idea that's easy street now. Right? Pastor would always say, tiptoeing through the tulips. Right? Petunias and all that. Why do you ever say petunias? I never say petunias. It's always tulips. Rose bushes, of course, they're kind of pricky. Uh, but when we get on this path, it's not easy street. It's not cruise control. Some of you have come to Jesus and you think, well, I'm on my way. Got the windows rolled down and the radio blasting. What are you blasting on the radio? I don't know. But it's not cruise control now. And we think that. We think that now we're on the right path, that it's easy. That it's going to be simple. No resistance. No pushback. No down days. No bad days. No sad days. No hard days. We think that. I'm on my way to heaven. It's going to be easy street. And it's not. It's not. You think you're not going to have a care in the world, but guess what? You still do. We want that, but that's not how it is. And that's not how it goes. We seek the path of least resistance as we navigate life. But let me tell you, there's always resistance. There's always resistance. The path, we look around us and we see people. Some are on the freeway of love. Some are on the highway to hell. Right? And some are somewhere in between. Right? You look around our world, and that's what we see. It's not just enough to be going somewhere. It's factual that we all need a destination. I mean, I love beach trips. How many of you like beach trips? Of course, I have found out some of the best beaches, beaches you need to jump on an airplane to get to them. Right? I mean, I spent eight days in Maui, I promise you. You're not driving to Maui. You need to get on an airplane, Right? Uh, I went to Destin, Florida last summer. I could have drove, but 14 hours did not enamor me like an hour plane ride. So I got an airplane, and I flew. But when I go to Myrtle, when I head to South Carolina, man, we jump in the car, and we're heading. We're, we're packed. We're ready to roll. Kelly starts packing on Monday, two Mondays before we start packing. 
The vans, or the cars are packed, the jeep's packed, everybody's packed up, we're ready to roll, and we take off. And, and to get to a destination, I like minimal stops. I don't like to stop a lot. I want to get to the beach. That's all we're here for. We're not here to pee. We're not here to eat. We're here to go to the beach. It was so much simpler when all the kids were in diapers. Ah, it's just one. They can feel that thing. In pampers, they're good diapers, Kelly. They can hold it. Right? But when they get older, they don't have diapers anymore. They need to stop. And I don't like stopping when I'm trying to get somewhere, to, trying to get to a destination. We get so motivated by the path and by the destination that we forget. It's not all about us all the time, is it? I'll never forget in Tech when uh, we went to Daytona. Christian Student Union at Tech went to Daytona Beach for spring break. Didn't Probably wasn't a good idea, but <laughs> um, that's when Daytona was the hot spot, right? And I'll never forget, we left Montgomery. There was like 35 of us going. We had, I don't know how many cars. We left Montgomery. Where did I say we leave? Montgomery. We stopped in Beckley at Burger King. I mean, I'm out in the parking like, what are we doing? Can we not, can we not even get to Bland? Can, can, we get out of, can we get out of West Virginia? You realize we're going to Florida. And the sad thing is, is Kelly and I drove her, well, I didn't drive it, I can't lie. Uh, we drove her 85, her dad's 85 four-speed Dodge truck. We had all the luggage. It was, and I didn't know how to drive a standard at that time. So Kelly did a great job. I was there for moral support, but we were at a destination. And we stopped at Burger King in Beckley. I mean, we, we got on the interstate in Paint Creek. You hear what I'm saying? And we stopped in Beckley. Sorry, I'll never. At that moment in time, it, it got, I was like 19 years old. I said, never again. Yet we go, because this destination has all of our attention, has all of our focus. And this path we're on says, I've got a destination to get to. And I'm so thankful my destination is heaven. I really am. And I really don't want you to miss heaven. We, don't, we probably don't talk enough about heaven as, as, as Christians. We don't talk enough about heaven. Because, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really cool place. You don't want to miss heaven. But we get so focused on the path. We get so focused on the destination that we, that we become misaligned, right? And God's word here is not only clear, but it's also clarifying, is what it tells us in Psalm 119. Which means that we see other things clearly by its light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp and a light. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I always, growing up, I always read that. I was like, man, why, why do I need a light and a lamp? Right? Why do I need that? And just this week, as I was really pondering on that simple verse, the lamp is an engineered device that focuses all of its light into one area, our feet. The light, which is a halogen high beam, amen, that's what the Word of God is, illuminates our path so we know where we're going. Not only are our feet covered, every step we take is, is lit by the Word of God. We also have this light that shines before us and shows us where we're headed and shows us our destination and shows us the path we're on. It's critical. It's critical. 
The way we should live our lives is what the psalmist means here. And he calls God's word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto his path. We do not, let me tell you, we really don't know how to live on our own. We think we do. But apart from Christ, we really don't have any idea how to live. We don't really have any idea. But Scripture shines on the path before us. And what's it do? It exposes the wrong. It exposes the pitfalls and the dangers and the risks and those areas of concern. It'll say, hey, man, you need to see this. You need to see far ahead. Why? Because there's something coming. And you need to be prepared. And the Word of God illuminates that path for us. Why? So we can look forward. And we can see where we're going. Think of a runway at an airport. I, I... fly well i used to fly a lot i ain't been on an airplane for gosh i think i went to chicago i was in chicago about this time last year for a meeting and that's it i ain't traveled since due to this pandemic uh, but man when you fly at night planes can't see the runway without lights they need those lights man and it, in charleston i mean it's just like a series of lights you go somewhere like atlanta it looks like a, a, a etch-a-sketch you know one of them things that, no what's in light brights remember the light brights as a kid, you just sit there and have a, that's what that's what it looks like in the ATL. I mean, there's just pink lights and blue lights and orange lights and lights that don't even I've never seen colors of lights that before. But they're all and there's planes landing at every angle. Why? Because those lights illuminate the path. It illuminates where you're supposed to land, and that's what the Word of God does for our life. It illuminates where we're supposed to be. It says, "Hey, this is your landing spot. Hey, this is what you got to look out for." And that's what the Word of God does for us. That's what it brings to our lives. Many Christians think the Bible exists. Just to give them detailed instructions concerning what job they should take or whom they should marry or where they should live or how they should spend their vacations. It's not what the Bible's for. It's not what it's for. It's not for, hey, who, where should I go this year on vacation? Let me, let me find a Bible verse to see if it says I need to go to Myrtle or Destin this year. The Bible doesn't do that. And what the Bible does do, it unfolds the very character of God. So that we can use that wisdom to see character flaws in people we don't need to be around. To see places we don't need to hang out with. It illuminates our world. All right, It's not some good luck charm. You can't just carry one in your pocket. It's a good luck charm. This is a life-giving document. It's not, it's not a good luck charm. Right? It isn't. It illuminates. It shows. Now, will it tell you who not to marry? It will. But it won't spell her out or him out. You'll see character. You'll see integrity. Why? Because that's what the Word of God does. It illuminates. It shines in our lives. This path we're on. It's, it's within revealing this true light in our path that our daily lives come into focus using the Word of God. The Word of God fixes what is broken. What is at times misguided? It fixes us. The Word works on us from the inside out. Our heart needs change. It starts there and then it leads to the outside. And it all begins with a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're all on a path. And I promise you, not every path's easy. Nothing in the world lights up a path like the Word of God. On the contrary, the world always sets the wrong priorities and celebrates the wrong type of character. Which is why we must renew our minds. Which is why we must set our affections on things above. What the Word of God tells us. Of course, a lot of people say, why do we need the Bible? You know, we just talked to that. Answer a lot of questions. I don't know if we got to that one or not. But 
Why do we need the Bible? Why do, to know what is right and wrong? And doesn't the world have an intrinsic idea that, that, that we can determine what's morally correct or morally wrong? Unfortunately, um, not every choice is black and white. And the Bible takes care of that for us. The Bible gets into the gray area of our lives. Right? And, we, and shines the light and shines, illuminates the path and reminds us that He is leading, that He is guiding, that He is directing. Only when we follow that. Unfortunately, the problems we face are not always black and white, but they're gray. We think we should do one thing. Our friends say we should do something else. And all of a sudden, we're confused. We run to the Word of God to take care of those moments. To help us, to lead us, to guide us, to illuminate the path we're on. Only by studying and meditating upon it, seeking to apply the Bible, can we find our way through the gray landscape of life. The Bible is not gray. I will tell you that right now. The Bible is not gray. There are things in it we may not fully understand. How many of you understand everything in the Bible? I don't. But man, I have a God in heaven who loves me, who reveals, as I spend time in the Word, as I study and pray, He reveals things to us. So maybe, maybe you're not getting your light. Maybe your light has a lampshade on it. Maybe you're not seeing your path lit up very well. Maybe you need to spend a little more time in the Word of God. Let me, let me say, this doesn't qualify for personal time in the Word of God. This moment right now does not qualify for your personal Bible study. Some of you think, well, what are we here for? This is just a locker room, folks. That's all this is. We're here to prepare you, here to motivate you, here to, here to educate you, here to uh, love on you and restore you. But man, out there, out there is where we play the game. This is just a locker room. This doesn't qualify as your personal Bible time. There are things we don't fully understand, but it's entirety, in its entirety, it's very clear. Therefore, the Bible is a light on our path. The path is dark because the world is dark. But the Bible clarifies the issues and shows us how to walk through the darkness of this world. That lamp is an engineered device that directs light to our feet. And the Word of God is a lamp and a light that shines on our path. So three things that the Lord gave me this week about being on a path. Using the Word of God. Uh, Number one, narrow is better than wide. Narrow is better than wide. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Man. First of all, I want to point out. This is on the back end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount actually begins in Matthew chapter 5. Chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. We always think the Beatitudes was a Sermon on the Mount. That's just, it was just the beginning. That was just point one. right? That was the very first segment. Man, he talked about, go back and look at all that was covered in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. He talked about divorce. He talked about needy. He talked about he, the Lord's Prayer came to us in chapter 6. I mean, there was a lot that went on on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is on the back end of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus tells us, Enter through the narrow gate. Right? The, the road to destruction is wide and broad. And many are on it. Few find the narrow way. Few find it. 
But here in verse 13, we, we almost see a shift. Up to this point, it's all about learning about the kingdom of God. Chapters 5 to right now is all learning. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. And now all of a sudden in verse 13, it's time to start living. It's time to start living in the kingdom of God. It's time to start living in the kingdom of God. Jesus goes from telling us about the kingdom to now we need to start living in the kingdom. And he begins to teach us and show us ways to do that. On the road to destruction is why? Because there are many ways to find yourself on it. I get on this broad way through pride, through selfishness. I get on through resentment. I get on through anger from God. When I'm mad, when I'm upset, when I blow my temper, I find myself navigating to that wide road. And it's easy to get off the wrong path. How many of you agree with me? It's real easy to make a wrong turn. I've made wrong turns spiritually in my life. I've made wrong turns physically in my life. But you know what? The Word of God always illuminates and gets me back on the path that I'm supposed to be on. He always guides me, always directs me, always leads me. My pride tells me I don't need Jesus. Have you heard that? I don't need him. My anger rejects Jesus. My apathy doesn't care about Jesus. My disbelief tells me there's no God. My denial tells me I already have eternal life. That's what we hear in the world, isn't it? That's what the noise and the American noise tells us. That they're okay. They're okay. Jesus said, broad is a road that leads to destruction. Narrow is a road that leads to eternal life. The broad road is not destruction itself. I do want to point that out. The, it ends in destruction. It ends in destruction. Right? That's where it ends. If, if someone is on the broad road, it doesn't mean they're destroyed. Right? But they're heading down a path that will destroy them. They're heading down a path that will destroy them. The road we're on is not eternal life itself, but it will lead to eternal life. Think about it. At one time, we were all on the road to destruction. All of us were on the road to destruction. We were destroyed while we were on this road? No. We were condemned because of our sin. John 3.18 says, Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Right? That's why I was condemned, because I didn't believe. But you know what? I'm on the right path. By accepting Jesus Christ, by acknowledging Him, by, by living for Him, I'm now on the right path. Now on the right path. When we put our faith in Christ, we get off the road to destruction and get on the narrow road to eternal life. We're now on the narrow road, but we haven't reached the end yet. Therefore, we need to remain strong and focused on the path. Number two, no. No, N-O-W. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know I am God. We, we quote that verse all the time. We always say what? Be still. Be still. Be still. That's, that's what we like to talk about. God told me to be still, so I'm going to be still. I think a key verse here is no. Know God. Know who He is. Know who He is. No is a very important part of this verse, not just be still. No tells me I need to recognize and know where God is leading and how He is directing my life. Nowhere in this side does it state that I need to go listen to a second opinion. That's, that's our problem, if I'm, if I'm being honest. That's, that's part of my problem. In the natural. is when God asks us to do something. When we're instructed to do something. We always go find someone else's opinion. I wonder what, I wonder what Pastor Frank thinks. I wonder what. Well I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he didn't really mean that. Maybe. maybe I'm going to see what somebody else says. I'm going to post it on Facebook. And see what their opinions say. Don't do it. 
right? We always go find the second or third opinion. And when we're on this path, it's not always easy, but it's the right path. Sometimes we just got to know that God's in control. We don't need another alternative. We don't need another opinion. We don't need another idea. We just need to know God is leading and God is directing. And when you're on this path, it's more than a surface experience. It's depth. There's life. It's life-changing. It's life-altering. When you're on this path, it's fully immersed in the goodness of God. You know, I've been watching basketball, too much basketball. I watch too much. I watched one too many basketball games yesterday. I probably shouldn't have watched. Uh, shouldn't have watched the Mountaineers. Let's just turn that thing off. Uh, but I, I've watched a lot of basketball. I've coached a lot of basketball. played a lot of basketball. And, and when you know something, it's hard. It's hard to watch, isn't it? I've watched college guys shoot foul shots, and I just scratch my head. I mean, it's, it's, it's confusing me how someone at that high level don't know how to shoot a simple foul shot. Some of them don't know how to shoot a simple layup. Um, but I'll never forget, the year was 1983. I was at the Charleston Civic Center. Gail Catlett had a basketball skills camp at the Charleston Civic Center. West Virginia, back in the day, uh, would come in on a Friday and play a game. It wasn't even a tournament. They, they might play like Virginia on a Friday, then they'd play Rhode Island or somebody on Saturday. They would do back-to-back games uh, in Charleston. And on Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning, uh, the coaching staff at Doveview would have a skills camp, and little kids got to come. So here I was in sixth grade, Ashford Rumble Tiger. And, and I go down to the skills camp, and I'm, I'm shooting layups, and I'm just doing what the coaches say. And I'll never forget this. And I, I go up at the end of camp, Coach Catlett said, anybody can make two foul shots, gets a new pair of sneakers. I'm like, all right, I'm 11 years old. I know how to shoot a foul shot. I've worked my whole life. I've practiced. Even to this day, if you gave me 20 minutes to warm up, I, I guarantee I could go over to the gym and do, make 7 out of 10. Give me 20 minutes to warm up. I could probably make 7 out of 10. All right, so it, it, it confounds me when I see... I'm not going to say their names. When I see them can't make a foul shot, right? It confounds me. I see NBA players that can't even make a foul shot. And I know how simple it is, right? And that's part of the path. When we know that God is in control, we know God is leading and God is directing, it should make things easier for us. The pressure's kind of off. So I step up to the line. Coach Catlin hands me a basketball. Three dribbles, deep breath, switch. There's one. They don't just give you one shoe. You had to make them both. Deep dribble, two dribbles, deep breath, swish. Go get your kids, kids. At that time, Western University was wearing leather white kids, right? This is before Nike. This is for Converse. This is for all those blew up on the scene. Here I was, I was a Chuck Taylor guy. Any Chuck Taylor people in the building? Uh, I was a Chuck E. T. guy, right? And now they're back in. But I was, I, and, and I'll never forget going back to school in that first basketball game, those white kids. Pretty hot. Game changer. Right? But I knew how to shoot a foul shot. And I proved it. Right? And when we're on this path, we got to know who God is. We got to know He's leading, He's guiding, He's directing, He's illuminating our path for a reason. We got to know. We got to know. It's it's not one thing, it's one thing to recognize wide and broad. And that's kind of, I know, that was kind of demoralizing. That's a demoralizing point. I knew that going in. I I had it at third and I had to move it to first just to get it out of the way because I felt it was demoralizing. Because it is. There are, two, there are two roads out there. There's two paths. 
But when you know something, it changes everything. Right? I get up tomorrow, I know I have a job. It changes, it changes my whole day. I know I, I, I know my Jeep will start. I hope, right? It changes you when you have faith, when you know something. And God says He wants you to know that He's in control. He wants you to know that He's on your side. He wants you to know He's always been there. And He always will be there. All throughout my history, I've seen the hand lead my life. I can look back now as Daryl was testifying. We look back and we just see, we didn't know it was God then, but we look back and said, man, that was God. That was you, God. I had no idea, God, but that was you. You had me make that right turn. You, had, you stopped me on the path I was on. You, you did something that I didn't even know it was you, God, but you know what? All things work together for good, he says. He, he turns them all around for our good. I see the evidence of where he has led me. All throughout my history, I've been wearing that song out this week called Evidence. Gosh, it's a good song. I thought Cameron was going to sing it for me today. I planted a seed next week. <laughs> I've seen his evidence in my life. In every turn, and every, every decision, I look back and say, God, that was you. That was you guiding. That was you leading. That was you directing me. And I'm so thankful. I look back on, and, and, you know, ninth grade speech class. Y'all have heard me share that story. Part of my testimony I did not turn my schedule in in eighth grade. Junior high, I left junior high. I marked up my schedule, and I, I didn't turn it in. To this day, I can't tell you why I didn't turn it in. I go to first day of freshman high school, and I show up. I don't have a schedule. You know how you had your names? 8B, 8C, 8D, 8F, whatever, 9D. And I looked up. There was no Don Kinder anywhere. Nowhere. Ended up going to a guidance counselor. I knew what happened the whole time. Well, I didn't turn that paper in. And I get there, and she has to fill out some makeshift schedule for me. And she puts me in a speech class, which just sounds like, that's no big deal. Well, I show up in speech class on day one. I remember I'm probably an 87-pound freshman, soaking wet with rocks in my pocket, right? And I get in there, and there's 28 kids in that class, including myself. 27 of them were seniors. That's right, 27 seniors and Don. I was shy, I was backwards, I, was, I wasn't the most, I still like to have fun, but I wasn't the most outgoing, talkative guy. I know some of y'all are shocked. Uh, and here I had to take a full year of speech class with 27 seniors. We had to give a speech every week. We didn't have desks, we sat in a horseshoe shape. There was no desk, you just went and took a chair. I, I, I didn't have options. No matter where I sat, I was sitting with somebody I didn't know. But it taught me how to speak and how to communicate. And it changed the course of my life. And I look back and say, you know what? I know, God, you didn't make me not turn that paper in, but you used that moment in time to begin to shape me and direct me and to push me. Why? Because I've seen the evidence of his life. I know where he's at. And when you're on this path, you've got to know that God is in control. You've got to know. Max Cato, pastor's been sharing a lot of Max Cato tweets on his uh, Facebook page, but one of my favorite, the Bible shows us what God did, and it also shows us what God does. We look to the Word of God, and we see what God did, but we also look to the Word of God and see that God still does. He still does. And the last thing, the last thing I want to share with you on being on the right path, be one who stops. Be one who stops. We need to learn to stop. 
I'm guilty on journeys, on trips. I don't want to stop. Stop when the opportunity presents itself. We get so focused on our energy, so focused on getting to the destination that we forget to stop. The problem along the way is we at times are so focused on the path and the destination, we forget about everybody else. Happens to me every vacation. We stop to use the restroom. It would probably be beneficial if everybody in the car got out and used the restroom. But what happens in my life 20 minutes later, somebody didn't have to go, but now they do. Ever been there? We just stopped, son. I know, I didn't have to go then. Right? We got to know to stop. We're so concentrated on getting to our destination, we cannot lose sight of those around us, though. Think about the life of Christ. The last three and a half years of his ministry, he was always going from point A to point B. Many times he was off to pray. We always stopped along the way. From the well to the sycamore tree to the graveyard, the mute, the blind Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus, the leper, the centurion, two blind women, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman at the well. He always stopped. When he stopped, miracles happened. When he stopped, miracles happened. Acts chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. Did I give you that? I gave you that. And Peter directed his, this is uh, at the gate beautiful. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Man, Peter and John are walking, just heading. And here they are outside the door of the temple, and there's a, a beggar with a cup. Asking for something, right? What did they do? They stopped. They stopped. Their path was leading them somewhere. Their destination was taking them somewhere. But they stopped. Of course, the man, as soon as you see him stop, the man was wondering what he's going to get. They didn't reach for their wallet. They didn't reach in their pocket to look for some change. They basically said, we don't have silver and gold. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. What I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They took him by the hand. That's what I love about that story. They didn't just speak the name of Jesus. They actually reached out to him. Right? Another part I love about that story is they fixed their eyes. That's why I want to start verse 4. They literally fixed their eyes upon him. They looked at him as a human being. They looked at him in a personal level. And he commanded their attention, and they demanded his attention. And he, the Bible says he looked upon them as well. He gazed upon them well. They were totally focused on one another. And a miracle happened all because he stopped. And so many times we get so busy on this path. So, so busy doing church. So busy doing the right thing or keeping things the way they're supposed to be that we forget to stop. We forget to help. We forget to stop. And because of that, moment in time, we had a pew jumper. The very first pew jumper in church history, right? The Bible says he'd come running into the temple, leaping and praising God. That's awesome. All because they stopped. Imagine if we would stop long enough to help somebody in our world. Imagine what would happen. From the mat to the pew jumper in a matter of minutes. How did this happen? Why did this happen? The how is the power of God. The why is Peter and John stopped. 
We need people who stop. We stop to help, stop to serve, stop to love, stop to feed, stop to build, stop to care, stop to connect, and stop to make a difference in our world. The path is not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not a comfortable path. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't call us for comfort. This is a life of faith. This is a life of... We live this life by faith, not, not for comfort. He didn't save me so I'd be comfortable. He didn't save me so I'd feel good and look good and everything's good in my world. How many of you ever worked in children's ministry? It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It's fun, but it's not easy. It's not. You go in there unprepared, they will eat you alive. They eat you for lunch, man. Spit you back out. Oh, it's just kids. I got this. You grab it less than 10 minutes before. They eat you alive. Right? It's rewarding. How many of you worked in teens? Youth ministry. Same thing. They will eat you alive. But you know what? It's a lot of fun. As a youth pastor here for about three years, it's some of the most rewarding and fun times of ministry here at Living Faith Church. And stressful. I had hair before I started. It was already on its way out, for the record. And I shared with the kids a couple weeks ago. When I was a youth pastor, we were talking about social media a lot. And I literally got to a point where I was going to pick a single person in the youth group and pull up their Facebook page and read the last five posts. Pastor Mark was wanting to do that this Sunday. And we said, nah, not yet. <laughs> it's on tape. He said, we ought to do that one Sunday. Man, there was kids deleting Facebooks that night. <laughs> I was getting friend requests in the middle of my sermon because they deleted my theory was, hey, if you're bold enough to put it out there for the world to see it, why can't we read it to the whole youth group, right? Man, youth ministry's not easy, but gosh, it's a lot of fun. And you know what? Being a pastor of this church, it's not easy. You guys make it really hard. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Ministry's not easy, but man, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. God said, I didn't call you to be comfortable. Not an easy path. But this doesn't mean the path has to be hard. Doesn't mean we can't smile on the path. Some of y'all need to learn that. Doesn't mean we can't be happy on the path. Doesn't mean we can't be singing songs on the path. Right path. It's not always easy, but it can be fun. It can be rewarding. God has set before you two gates, one wide and one narrow. He's set before you two roads, one broad. And one narrow. He set before you two destinations. One of eternal blessing and one of eternal damnation. Our greatest problem in the world today is the billboards look the same on both roads. Enter here. Their billboard may, there's roads out there that, that will promote heaven and it ain't taking you to heaven, folks. The signage all looks the same. The same words, the same buzzwords, the same keywords. That's why we need that word to be a lamp and a light into our path. To illuminate, to show, to teach, to educate, to instruct. He loves you. 
with an everlasting love. He wants nothing but the best for your life. The Broadway looks smooth and easy. You see a lot of people on it carrying the same type of baggage you're carrying. Looks comfortable. It's not. The end is destruction. The end is destruction. So I challenge you today. This path isn't always easy. But it can be a lot of fun. We have two opportunities, wide and narrow. We need to know that God is leading and guiding and illuminating our path. We look back in the history of our lives. And we see the evidence of what he's done. And then as we're going, make sure we stop. Stop to help. Stop to serve. Stop to love. As Pastor Mark says, stop to collide. It don't sound healthy, but that is. We got to collide with our world. We're charged to collide with them. So I challenge you. This is not to demoralize you. This is to encourage you. We're all going on the same path. We all need each other. Support and love and encouragement. May the light illuminate and guide us in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that we are all on a path. We're heading to heaven. If you are our Lord and Savior, if you're leading and you're guiding our lives, we ask you that in our down moments, in our, our tough moments, in our hard days, in our sad days, that you will continue to lighten our path. You will illuminate. You will guide. You will lead. You will direct. May we know that you are with us. May we know that you are for us. And Lord, let us not forget to stop. Let us not forget to stop and help people along the way. In Jesus' name we pray.